Let's give it up for the band leading us in worship. Oh, man. <clears throat> Those of you that are joining us, it's Jersey Sunday. Uh, we celebrate it, I don't know, forever at Genesis Metro. It's the kickoff of the holy season, um, which is called football. And so, very exciting times. Um, for those of you that are guests with us today, I also wanna catch you up. We started a new series called The Light. And every week we've been talking about stepping towards the light and, and how that during this unprecedented corona crisis, corona crazy, um, there's been so many changes in all of our lives. And I think that at times, uh, there's been a lot of people that struggle with depression and isolation and, you know, is it ever going to be normal again? All of these factors and considerations. And, and so we were having an elders meeting and to catch everyone up to speed, uh, one of our elders said that, you know, it's, it's kind of like it's the darkest time just before the sun rises and there's just a little bit of light coming over the horizon and all we need to do is step towards the light. And that was the genesis, the, the ethos of, of this sermon series. And so every week we're talking about how stepping towards the light can improve your life. Stepping towards the light, having God in it. That in every way, shape and form, that with God at the center of your decision-making process, it just makes it better. And so as we go through uh, this series, we've been talking about a guy named Gideon. And we found Gideon in Judges chapter six, and he was threshing wheat, which is the process of separating the good part from the bad part. And you, you kind of throw it up in the air with this rake and the good part comes down and the bad part blows away. And you have to do it in this open environment. And Gideon was doing it down in a hole because he was afraid that the enemy would take it away. And God finds him doing something in fear because of the enemy and what they were going to take. And I think that a lot of times when we're motivated by fear, we allow the enemy to have space in our lives that was intended to be God. And so we allow the enemy to start dictating our actions. And so Gideon rises up and God calls him to come forward. And next thing he does is he tears down his father's altar to a pagan God. I want you to think about that, that there's a lot of things in our lives that we've allowed in. And sometimes a lot of it is how we were raised. We were raised inside of these things. And in order to embrace God, in order to follow after God, in order to step towards the light, sometimes there are some things we have to tear down. There's some things that we have to remove. And then he replaced what was his father's idol with an altar to God. And man, everything began to change the moment that he put God in the right place. And this morning in your marriage, if you'll put God in the right place, I promise it'll be better. If you put God in the right place when it comes to your parenting, it'll be better. If you put God in the right place when it comes to your finances, they will improve. If you put God in the middle of your dating, anyone that's dating in this corona crazy season, I'm telling you, I would wanna do it God's way. Because if you don't do it God's way, then what will happen is, if you haven't learned to go to God's word when there's difficulty, if you haven't learned to pray on a regular basis, when you find yourself in the midst of the fight and you don't have God's word to back you up, now you're gonna be in the middle of this fight and, and you're gonna be without a, a navigation, no GPS, there's no direction, there's nothing to tell you how to get out of this and you're left to your own devices, you're left to your own intellect. And I promise you, if you live enough life, you'll find yourself in some situations that you can't get out of. If it's marriage, you might find yourself 
where you're wanting to do the right thing now, and now because of the precedent and the patterns that have been set, they aren't willing to do the right thing. So how are you, who likes to control everything, going to control the person that you now have no control over? Man, that's why you invest in God's principles and precepts in the beginning, in the middle, and in the end, and next week, I'm having a hard time not preaching next week's sermon, but you, if, if you're never gonna miss a Sunday this year, I will tell you next week is gonna be the payoff where Gideon finally, finally gets to the light, and it's gonna, oh, it's gonna be so good. But I will preach this week's sermon because you gotta get your money's worth, right? And so, um, let's get into this text. We find Gideon now has gathered the troops and they're getting ready to march out towards war. And the main premise that we're going to try to prove out today is that God is always doing at least two things at the same time. He's always doing at least two things. Now, a lot of times he's doing a whole bunch of things, but he's at least two. Number one is he's going to accomplish his will, that, that God's will is going to be done. And the second part of that is that God wants to do his will through you. Now here is the variable, and the variable is you, that you get to decide how you interact with God's will. When we obey, when we embrace God, when we trust God, when we have faith in God, then we get to be a part of his plan. We get to be a part of what he's doing. But when we reject him, and when we walk our own way, when we do our own thing, then God will use someone else. His will is going to be done. Whether or not you participate in it is up to you. And today's story is going to bear this out in spades. And so I, I would hope that you would just be thinking, like, do you want to be a part of what God is doing? And if you want to be a part of what God is doing, how, how, how are you going to do those things? And, and today is going to be so crystal clear. And I hope you leave here today inspired. Oh, we're going to have some football analogies. We're going to be talking about fighting, like literal, like fighting. And so like, this is, I don't know if it's a man's man's message, but, but today it's going to be good. And so let's get into the text. Judges chapter seven says early in the morning, Jerubel, which means the, the challenger slash destroyer of Baal, because he tore down his father's idol. They nicknamed him for what he did, you know? So that's pretty cool. And so it says, early in the morning, Jerubel, that is Gideon, and all his men camped in the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moray. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me is what they would say. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 of his troops walked away with only 10,000 remaining. First point, just because they are walking with you does not mean they are willing to fight with you or for you. Oh man, oh, just right out of the gate. Don't even like sugarcoat it, Tim, just give it to them. I mean, think about that. Have you ever had someone that you thought was with you and then time or testing proved otherwise? Anybody by show of hands? Anybody in here ever had that happen? Yeah, yeah, you ever, you ever, you ever go into a meeting and like there was a, a group project and the person 
was the presenter who did nothing, that didn't show up to any of the meetings, didn't do all the work, but their role was the presenter, and then they get up in front of the team and they present it like they did everything. Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. You ever, you ever, yeah. And you're sitting there like, oh, oh, I didn't know you helped with that. Anybody? Like, like I, I, I was not aware. Like the five meetings that we had, I, I noticed that you weren't at three of them. So like now you're gonna act like, oh, I did all the work. God said to Gideon that you have too many men. That, that, that if I allow you to win with 32,000, I know my people, I know my sheep, God said. They'll take credit for it and they'll say, look what we have done. And so he tells Gideon, here's a test. Tell them if they're afraid, they can go home. If you're, if you're afraid, you, you can just go back home. Now you know what they were up against. Just so you're clear, we'll find out the rest of the story next week, but I need to give you a spoiler. The swordsmen alone with the Midianites, which was the Midianites, the Malachites, and the Eastern peoples. So it's really three armies that have banded together. The swordsmen alone were 132,000 that died in this battle, plus 15,000 that were the princes. So, so it was 150,000 plus the other armies. Let's just say they're of equal size. You have a half a million people that are facing 32,000 with Gideon. You under, you, is everybody understanding like the odds, like what we're up against? And so God out of the gate tells Gideon, like tell anybody if they're afraid that they can go home. Now, you know that Gideon like walked out here with this test and in his mind, like this, this is my family. These are my boys. They got my back. I mean, the, the Abbey Ezraites were known. They're ride or die. And so I know that was on the tip of your tongue. And so, so here is Gideon and he walks out there and he says to him, hey, if you don't want to fight, if you have any fear inside of you, you can just head back. And you know, Gideon was like, he was feeling like strong, like, like win one for the Gipper. I was like, okay, God, you want me to put that test out there? I'll go out there because I know, I know. Okay, maybe like five, maybe 10, maybe a hundred guys go home with the rest. They already came out here to fight. Surely they're going to fight with me. Imagine what it was like to watch 22,000 guys like, peace, I'm out. I'm scared. Yeah, I'm scared. Half a million people. Like, yeah. And so Gideon's like watching all these people walk away right out of the gate before they even had a chance to fight. His army is leaving him. Oh, just because they're walking with you doesn't mean they're willing to fight with you. Doesn't mean that they're willing to fight for you. And I can tell you that football is a game where it always tells the truth. If you, if you ever played football, it's, it's just so unique because it's gladiatorial in nature. I mean, there is going to be an impact. There, there, when the guard pulls, and they kick the line, defensive end out and then there's a linebacker right there and a 270, 300 pound guy is coming against a 240 pound linebacker and he's got him outweighed and he's got a head of steam and he comes around that corner, the linebacker has to make a choice. Is he going to embrace the suck, okay? 
Is he, does he have the heart to take the hit? Because if he doesn't take the hit, if he dodges, he's just going down the line to take on the next player, the safety, and then it's going to be a touchdown. So that linebacker knows he can't make the play, but he can take the block on so that someone else can. I could tell you, oh my gosh, it always tells the truth. When you get in line to go hit, the eyes will always tell. I used to love the guy that like kind of, he would like kind of dance in there. I'd ah, blow him up because I like to hit people. Anyway, whenever we have Gideon's army, some of them, they, weren't, they didn't have the heart. They didn't have the heart to take the hit. They walked away. Man, I hope that you would, you would hear God's voice in this story. That Remember, he's trying to get glory. He's trying to do his will, but he's also trying to refine you in the process. Gideon is being refined. An opportunity is being presented and 22,000 people walked away from it. I hope you would start thinking in your life that God is going to present opportunities, but those opportunities are going to come at a cost. And do you have the heart to take the hit? Do you have the heart to step up and know Know that it, there's going to be contact with the enemy. So many times I think that people are looking for a way out. And I promised you in sports and life, there's always a way to kind of, kind of, you know, avoid kind of, you know, you're, you're acting like you're there, but you're avoiding getting, you know, you're, you're kind of standing to the side, but you're, you kind of have the jersey on, but you're, maybe you're in the stands, but you're cheering on the team. So you're kind of doing your part, but you don't want to get down in there and, you know, the con you don't want to, you don't want to actually suffer. You don't want to actually go through the two a days. You want to just like maybe come and, and stand on the side and, and be a part of the team from afar, but not have to endure the pain. Gosh. I'm telling you, Christianity is a contact sport. Did y'all know that? It just is. It just is. You're either gonna run and go home every time it gets hard, or you're gonna have to find the heart to take the hit. One of the things that I've learned over the years, as Gideon watched the army walk away, your passion and your purpose can't be dependent upon the size of the crowd that is with you. That, that if the size of the crowd changes, what if Gideon would have allowed the 22,000 that walked away, what if that would have infected and affected his passion and his purpose? It's not the size of the crowd that's around you. It's the size of the God that's inside you that's going to determine the outcome in the battle. So let me encourage you, if someone has ever walked with you and then walked away from you, that it is not, look, it's not. Your fate is not sealed with their failure, that you just need to put God in your equation, add God to your life, and now all of a sudden God can take you without them and do more because now God is at the center of your life and the church said, amen. Yes, you can get excited about that. Oh, oh. The great thing is that when your passion, your purpose is centered on the word of God and on the truth of God's word, then people can start to count on you because the thing that is motivating you is not a changing thing. It's not a variable. 
It's a constant. And so I hope that you have that constant in your life because the, the women in the room, if you're married and you have to have a husband, that's a constant. You want someone you can count on. And the men in the room, you want to have a wife that you can count on. Every kid in here wants to have parents that they can count on. And I believe that you, by being here today, in the midst of this crisis, you want to have a church that you can count on. I'm going to tell you, we've been doing this a long time. Next week, the sun is going to rise and Genesis Metro is going to lead people in worship and we are going to preach God's word. There is a constant that you can count on because it's proven by time and it's not dependent upon the weather. It's not dependent upon the changes. And so I want you to know that this is the place that we're trying to create for your family to get connected with. Also, you'll learn that there are some things that we think we need that God is taking out of our hands. And as we progress through this story, it's gonna become evident that, that a lot of times there's some things that when God tries to, to take them away from us, we kind of hold on to like, it's like, um, have you ever tried to take a toy from a two-year-old? Like, it's amazing how strong they are, isn't it? Like, it's like, you know, like death grip, they're G.I. Joe. And so anyway, and so, so God is trying to sometimes take some things from us because remember, he's gonna refine us while he's on his way to doing his will and getting glory. And so he tries to take, he's like, you don't need this. You don't, and we're like, no, I need that. I need that, I don't take that. You can take anything, don't take that, God. He's like, no, no, no. There's an end I've already written to the story and if, if you'll let me and you'll watch and you'll have faith, we can do this. Secondly, not only is God going to take some things we have to learn to toe the line. Whenever we talk about towing the line, in boxing, back in the day, they would take a, a piece of chalk and they would, they would scratch out a line. And it wasn't boxing in a ring where you could run around and dodge. You had to put your toe on that line. And then guys would just swing. I mean, there's no Floyd Mayweather like dodging, ducking for 15 rounds. No, this was, this was put your toe on the line. I'm gonna swing at you and you're gonna swing at me. Now think about that for a moment. There, there's one person that's going to put their toe on the line and, and if they have fear, they're gonna be sitting there like, you know, trying to, you're gonna get it. You just gotta know that you're gonna take some punches. You embrace it. It's gonna hurt. There's gonna be some, some blood on the floor, so to speak. But with God on your side, you know this, that you're gonna get to give too. Like you might take some, but you're gonna get to give some too. Oh man, I don't know if you've ever been in a game where, where yeah, you're taking some punches, but oh, I can't wait to give it back to anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, like you might take some L's on your way, but you're going to leave a mark. You know what I'm saying? Like, so God is telling Gideon that you gotta toe the line. You gotta, I'm looking for people who are willing to fight and when you give this challenge, you're gonna find out that there's some people that are with you that they're not really with you. And I'm just separating them out because you didn't need them anyway. And I'm gonna teach you what you really need ultimately is me. 22,000, gone. Still got 10,000. Okay, we could do it 10,000. I mean, 10,000 against 500,000. I mean, surely we could do it. We could do it. Let's read. Verse four. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still, still too many men. Y'all, have y'all ever read, read 
the Bible and regretted it. Has anybody ever read a verse? It's like, you know what I'm, I'm, I know I'm a preacher and I probably, that's probably not even right to say it, but like, have you ever read something and you're like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have read that verse. Anybody ever read that? Like, like turn the other cheek? Is anybody like, no, I want to slap them back. Anybody like, know what I'm, like, like some verses, like you, you're in the wrong moment and like you read it and you're like, oh, God, what are you, what are you saying? Like, like you'd be in the midst of a financial crisis and you read some verse about tithing and like, you know, God's blessing tied to the tithe and you're like, no, no, I'm gonna skip this verse. Anybody know, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, you'll read, it's the right verse, but you feel like it's the wrong verse for you at this moment. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, don't look at me all spiritual. I know, like you read it and you're like, you're like I wish I wouldn't have read that today. I wish I wouldn't have read that today. You know, Gideon just watched 22,000 guys walk away and now God is saying there's still too many, still too many. Oh. He says, take them down to the water. Now this is, where, this is where it gets weird. Like I get it, I get it on the fear thing. I get that, right? Like you could just see like the nature of God real noble and like, if you're too scared to go to battle, then just go home. You know, you could just, you could feel it. Like the nobleness of God. You get that. You can wrap your mind around. You can be okay with that. Now this one, no, it's weird. He said, we're gonna go down to the river with the 10,000 that you have left. And if a guy gets down on all fours like a dog and just starts like licking water out of the river, then they're gonna go home. But if they kneel down and they cup the water and they bring it to their mouth, those will be the ones that I choose for battle. Now, if I'm Gideon, I gotta be honest with you, the logistic inside of me is like, that's the plan? Like, that's the plan? Like, it doesn't make any, like you imagine like a, a Green Beret that's gone through all of the things that they have to go through in order to become a Green Beret or a Navy SEAL, and they're like, one last test. If we go down to the river, and you bring it up to your mouth, you go to battle. If you get down on all fours, I'm sorry, you gotta go home. Like no military ever has used this as a test to see whether or not you're worthy of battle. And Gideon just lost a third of his army and now we're gonna go with this God? I mean like who, how you drink water? What does that have to do with how you carry a sword? I mean, come on. It's not always gonna make sense. Can anybody say amen to that? Has it? Has it made sense how you got to where you're sitting right now? You tell me that. Is it, did it go just the way you thought it was going to go? I bet it didn't. I bet it didn't. Quit trying to figure it out. Quit trying to figure it out. Step towards the light. So Gideon took the men down to the water and he separated those out and 300, 300 cupped the water and brought it to their mouth. 9,700 drank like a wild, oh, I was so thirsty. They didn't have Uber back then, folks. They marched, they marched, and so they were tired and they were thirsty. Now I'm Gideon, I'm watching 9,700. I'm down to 1%. Technically, if you're doing the math, all my math nerds in here, it's less than 1%, but it's, for our numbers, it's 1%. 300 of 32,000, my gosh. 
I can only imagine how difficult this must have been. Verse 7 says, The Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give you to the Midianites, or give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of others. Can you imagine, like, thank you kindly, sir, for your trumpet. Enjoy your walk back home to the safety of your home with your children and your wife. I'll take your trumpet. It's gonna turn out next week that trumpet is gonna matter. Well, we don't have time for that today. Let's do God math for a moment. Next point, 1% plus God, that's what you need. 1% plus God. You know, a lot of times in life, you're thinking like, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that, I need this degree, I need that, I need this promotion, I need this favor, I need this friend, I need all these things. And, and if I get all these things and I add them all up, then it's gonna be the thing that pushes it over the edge. And, and I'm gonna tell you, you don't need any of that. You need 1% plus God. That, that so many times, remember Jesus said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, a little teeny tiny bit, 1% of faith. He said, if you say to this mountain, be thrown into the sea, it will move as a result of 1% plus God. So many times we think that we gotta figure it out and we gotta be strong enough to endure it, but God is saying, no, you need to be weak enough that I'm gonna subtract some things from you in order for you to be able to follow after me. Can you notice how many stories that are like this in the Bible? Whenever Jesus meets the disciples on the shores of Galilee, it says that they had to drop their nets in order to follow after him that there was always going to be a sacrifice. When God meets Abraham in Ur of the Chaldees, it says that he had to leave Ur. He had to leave his hometown, everything that he knew, in order to follow after God. Moses had to leave the house of Pharaoh in order to follow after God. So whenever we're thinking about following after him, there's always gonna be some subtraction. There's always gonna be a sacrifice. I just wanted you to think about it real quick with me. Let's take the test. When's the last time your faith cost you something? And not something cheap and trivial, but I'm saying, yeah, it cost you. Time, energy, treasure. I don't see anyone in the Bible that followed after God that he wasn't doing two things at the same time. He was doing his will and those that chose God chose to lose some things in order to gain God's glory. What are you holding on to today that's preventing you from taking a step towards the light? God is saying, if you wanna add me, you're gonna to have to subtract some resources. Gideon naturally, as a leader, would have struggled losing people. And in a very real way, it's not gonna be faith without fear. Yeah. Fear is going to be part of it. It's also not going to be faith without a fight. And if you're not willing to put your hands up and step to the line, you're never going to see God's best for your life. So it's not going to be faith without fear. It's not going to be faith without a fight. How does it work then? I think it's going to be a faith that is willing to face the fears that you have inside and then embrace Embrace the fight that is coming. 
And if you have a faith that's willing to face the fear and embrace the fight, man, you're a dangerous person in the kingdom of God. One percent. That's what we need. We need God to raise up the one percent that's willing to add God to their faith. And I promise you, that's an unstoppable force. I thought of several examples that I want to encourage you with as we wrap. What happens in the Bible when we add God to the equation? What happens in the Bible when we add God to the equation? In Matthew chapter 14, it's the feeding of the 5,000. Y'all remember this story? It was actually 5,000 men plus women and children, so let's just say 10,000. And they get out there and these people have walked and they follow Jesus and, and they're tired and they're hungry. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, feed them. Now, if they were good Christians, right? They'd be like, okay, Jesus, we'll follow you and we'll do what you say, we'll feed them. But these are the top tier, right? These are the best of the best. These are the ones that Jesus chose. And their attitude was not one of obedience. You know what they said to Jesus? This is what they said to God. It's like, feed them with what? Feed them with what? Like, we don't have enough. How are we going to pull off what you want? And you could almost like hear them with that attitude. Have you ever known that person that's like, well, if they wanted to eat, they probably should have brought their own, right? You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I brought mine and you didn't bring yours. And so you knew it was a long ways out here. And so you should, you should have prepared better. And like, we like to chide people for their lack of preparation. And yet God is saying, I want you to feed them. And there was some random child, some teenager that had packed a lunch, which by the way, became the CEO of the Galilee Trading Company. He was very smart. He was like Bill Gates, but we don't even know his name. We don't, we don't know him. And he gave up his little five fish and a couple of loaves of bread. He, he, like, he like gave it up. And all of a sudden they're like, they're like, well, this is all we got. Well, that kid had to sacrifice, right? He, he had to be willing to say, I care more about the collective than I do about my individual comfort. And I'm not doing it for some necessarily noble reason that's altruistic, independent of God's will. No, if Jesus wants it, then Jesus can have it. And so he gives it to Jesus and God blesses it. And then everyone gets fed. And then just to make sure he sends them home with 12 baskets of leftovers. Now, what I'm trying to tell you is that whenever we follow after God and we add the faith to our 1%, abundance, abundance is unlocked. I want you to think about in your life, which one are you? Are you the disciple that says, with what? It's amazing how often we focus on what we don't have and God is never interested in what we don't have. He's interested in what you do have. Mm -hmm. Are you willing to give him the little bit that you do have? and watch him add his faith to it, and then everyone's gonna get blessed and there's gonna be left over. You say, well, Tim, that doesn't make any sense. Well, I'll give you point number two. Not only does he want you to unlock abundance, he wants to give you an advantage. Does anybody want an advantage? Does anybody want it, like, in Survivor, like, sometimes they have an advantage, you know? And on, in football, all the teams are always scouting and they're looking for tendencies because they wanna gain an advantage. I wanna give you an advantage here today. In Joshua chapter six, the Israelites, are going against the, the big wall. And so here's this wall that reaches up to the, to the sky from their point of view. 
and, and God begins to unpack the plan. Just to let you know that Gideon wasn't singled out. It says that whenever they faced the walls of Jericho, that God unfolded the plan to Joshua. Now this is Joshua's first shot at leadership, all right? So you can imagine being the people listening to Joshua. It's like, is that what God told you? <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna take once a day, we're gonna take a lap around this wall. That's, this was our military strategy. We're gonna walk around this wall. And then um, on day six, we're gonna, we're gonna go around it uh, one more time, and then on day seven, we're gonna march around it. Now we're gonna up the ante, get your track shoes on. We're gonna march around it seven times. And on the seventh time, when we get around, we're gonna take our trumpets. Woo, even in the Joshua story, they had the trumpets. And we're gonna blow our trumpets, and we are going to yell at the wall. Can you, can you suspend what you know about the Bible, that how the story ends? Can you just imagine being normal follower? And like, is that what we got? We're gonna blow a trumpet and like, ha! Ah! And that's gonna, the walls are gonna fall down and we're just gonna win? Can I give you an advantage? Stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure out, like if I tip 10%, how is 90% gonna go further than 100% of my money? Like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But let me ask you this, when, when Sarah was barren and she couldn't have a child and God was able to open the womb, is that scientifically possible? Like go back and look at it, it's not, that's not science. Can God speak the world into existence in six days and everything and all the atoms and all the molecules down to the teeniest, tiniest little fraction and then set the stars in place and the planets and the moon and the earth is tilted just so and the waters are where they are and the sun comes up and the tides are controlled and he did all that, he didn't even sweat. Did you know that? Like if he says, that's the way that it is. That's the way that it is. You keep trying to figure it out. You keep trying to do it your way. You're living the way your father raised you with an idol out there that you're worshiping, that you bow down to, and you say, I'm gonna keep doing it their way. If you want an advantage, quit doing what makes sense and start doing what God says. And I promise you, the moment that you do it, it just works. Last, certainly not least, we have abundance, we have advantage, and we have access. Matthew chapter 14, the song we just sang at the end, it says that Jesus told the disciples, go to the other side. I love, I love Jesus because it's almost like Jesus was a practical joker. Have y'all ever noticed that? Like on some small way, Jesus is like, okay, um, y'all get him in the boats and head off onto the other side, and I'm going to I'm gonna stay on this side and pray. And it was the middle of the night. Usually you don't sell at night, by the way. And so he sends them out in the boat and then like a storm blows up on them, you know? And I'm not saying that Jesus was on the shore and like, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that's what he was doing, but it kind of feels that way because then he turns into glow Jesus, right? <laughs> and glow Jesus starts like walking out on the water. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on the, the water at night, but if I saw a glowing figure, I would not have drawn comfort from this message, right? I would be thinking we need to row faster to get away from this glowing entity that's coming toward us, right? And so you can't say that God does not have a sense of humor. And so glow Jesus starts like, ooh, you know, hovering out here on this water. And, and Peter begins to interact with this crazy situation. And he's like, um, Jesus, is that you? <laughs> Now, 
I love it that this tells us all we need to know about Peter, that his faith is much bigger than our faith, that he's even willing to entertain the possibility that this could be Jesus. And then Jesus says, hey, it's me, come on out here. And Peter steps out of the boat and begins to walk on the way. He took a step towards the light in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden he had access to walk into a place that in the natural realm, he would never, never had to have the opportunity to step foot in. What I'm trying to tell you is you won't have access if you stay in the boat, that you believe the boat is where you're safe, but the boat is your barrier to the access that where God wants to take you to do incredible things. I just wonder, when is the last time you stepped out of the boat and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt God used your life to do something incredible? And if it's been a while, could it possibly be that today's the day you need to step towards the light, you need to let go of some of the things. You need to understand that God's gonna give you the faith to face your fear, but, but also you're gonna have to have the faith to embrace the fight. And if you keep running every time it gets hard, or if you wanna put the jersey on and sit on the sidelines and never get in the game, then you're never gonna have access to glory. You're never gonna have the advantage. You're never gonna unlock abundance. Because those that walked home, they didn't get to see what was going to happen next. When you see what happens next, man, I wanna be a part of that. Oh, I want to be a part of that. I hope today for your family, you'll step towards the light. Let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that every family here would toe the line, that men and women would rise up and say that the cost is worth it, that the sacrifice is worth it. God, I pray for every family a blessing that God, they would desire to have your abundance. And God, if we can make the sacrifice as a staff and as the elders and as the leaders of Genesis Metro to give so that it can bless others, God, we pray for a people that's willing to unlock the abundance through the sacrifice of personal comfort. God, I pray that every person in here would receive an advantage, the advantage of knowing that your way, God, it works. It just works. And lastly, I pray that in this moment, that every person in here would have access, access to the spiritual, that they would get out of the boat, they would step towards the light, and they would realize that in the spiritual realm that we have access to the omnipotent God of the universe who cares desperately about us, that is for us, and he has done all the things that he can do. And now it's our turn to interact with his divinity. And all we have to do is take a step out of the boat and we would have access to the divine. I pray, God, that's what everyone in here wants for their family. Would you guys stand and worship with us?